What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Early Apex. I'm Rob. This is Dylan. And you know what, Dylan? I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good at all. You oh, know? no. What's going on? What's Every up? Day, What's up? I see more and more Teslas out on the street, crossovers. Okay. Just, okay. just things I things I don't want to drive. Things I don't want to drive at all. <laughs> and I'm I'm concerned. I'm really just just, I'm just emotionless. Yeah, emotionless four wheeled vehicles. Up, you know, I'm worried about <laughs> it. And and I I just don't know what to do. I think I think we're seeing an, an end <laughs> of the driver's car. An end of really? the driver's okay. car. You know? Okay. Um Okay, so you're 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 Staying up late at night, thinking about the end of enthusiast drivers cars. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, no, no one's out there. You know, taking their Tesla Model Three for a nice Sunday (laughs) cruise just for fun. You know, no one's taking (laughs) their you know Honda HRV out for a a Sunday Mm. cruise. That Mm. you know, no one's taking. Maybe they're taking their pickup truck out. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> their pi- their the pickup, pickup truck, truck okay. is the savior. <laughs> they're taking out their Ford Maverick out. Yeah. Uh, they got uh, their kids uh, in the bed. You know, <laughs> they're going to go 20 miles an hour around the neighborhood. <laughs> kids love that. Okay. Um, I, Rob, I know where you're coming from. I've had the nights that I think you've, you've, you're experiencing currently. Um, but I'm here to tell you that I think things are are gonna be okay. I think there are still I need going to be drivers' cars for the foreseeable future. And there's a couple things on 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 the market in today's world that I kind of forget yeah. about. But yeah. go ahead. What were well, you gonna I was, say? What were you gonna I, say? I need you to tell me everything's gonna be okay. That's really <laughs> what I. That's what I came. You got it. Here yeah, thinking I mean, about. Okay. Say no more. Sometimes you just need someone <laughs> say to say no that. I don't. We don't even need to talk about it. I just. I just want you to tell me. You know. Well, okay. So I. I think I know where you're coming from. You know, there are companies like BMW where they just seem like soulless car. Like all the cars that they're making in today's market are soulless. You know that the M3 is a totally different car. Like it basically became the M5, and now it's like even bigger than like the M5 used to be. And it's all about the numbers and and that sort I mean, of thing. So I think that there's a lot of companies that have gotten lost in the sauce of just like making something fast for the sake of it being fast and they've lost a lot of like what makes a, a good driver's car what about volvo i mean at least bmw still makes performance cars the manual volvo yeah. they they had some performance cars they tried their hand yeah. at it and now there is not a <laughs> single thing on their lineup like performance mm. is not a word that enters their marketing department <laughs> like it's nah, just not safety. a single just for sure you know <laughs> Yeah. So so here's what I what I think of when I think of it as like a driver's car, right? Let's let's define that first because I I feel like there are companies out there, and this is what I I'm I am still a little concerned about, like BMW. That right now I don't think they make a driver's car where it is all about driving experience, right? Like manual doesn't have to be a manual, but like typically it's like a manual um, car. You're feeling connected. You you feel the inputs. These are things that we've talked about in past episodes. <laughs> Feeling the inputs. Um, and the car was really designed to just enjoy to drive. Like BMW is all about the ultimate driving machine. 
which ends up not being very ultimate, in my humble opinion. Man, a lot um, of shots fired at BMW. I wasn't <laughs> BMW. even. I wasn't even trying to throw um, any shade at them today. <laughs> well, well, I, they're an easy example, in my opinion, about like just cars that are coming out. That yeah, I just feel like they're all about the numbers, and that they're not really like. I have no enjoyment in in. Or interest in any of those their their new cars, Um, and that has nothing to do with their oversized kidney grills. Although I think there's they are oversized, Um, but no, I I still think there are cars. You know, the classic GT86 and the Miata is still on the market today, um, that are still being manufactured and sold in today's market. But here's something that I think is more important overall. And it is the fact that there is a push. And it seems to be there's a market. There's a push because there's a market for enthusiast cars. You have big companies like Stinger, you know, creating like their passion project, Ultimate okay. Porsche. You have other companies that are doing something similar. This is top tier. I think it's only a matter of time until this idea trickles down. And we might have a new company join that segment of Miata and GT86 that's doubling down on this is like the fun car to drive. You're Mazda's talking about a lost new car. The, You're talking about a new car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm saying I think if this trend continues, I think it's only a matter of time until it trickles down to like that entry-level sports car that is all about, you know, enthusiasts and driving and that sort of thing. Because there is this like top down push. You think I'm th- you think uh, this is what I'm you think that's for. Go- that's on the horizon? Because I do. All I, I think all I hear is like this is the last <laughs> one. You know, every time a new yeah. gasoline car yeah. comes out, GT4 RS, Type R, Corolla GR. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all this is the last one. This yeah. is it. Like I think, Subaru didn't. Yeah, Subaru I, so didn't I, make an STI. They had an STI yeah. like plan. Yep. They told like. They told yeah. us they were going to make one. And then they were like, <laughs> then they put out like a very abrupt press release and was like, actually, yep. guys, no, we're not. We just don't think mm. it's worth it. We're only going to be able to make it for <laughs> X years. It's not worth the R&D work, even though they've been, the STI is like a five-year-old model to begin with. They've got like the old motor in it already. But <laughs> Dude, that, that, I don't that, know what, that's a whole I don't know what engineering platform. they've been doing that they said they're going to do in the new one, but apparently yeah. it isn't worth it. And they're like, and they've been <laughs> for the STI. Yeah, for the STI. Yeah. 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 Um, well here, here's the thing. I think I hear what you're saying and, and I definitely have been down in the dumps, just like you're saying for those reasons. But if the market can bear it, I think that there is going to be a segment for it. Now it is a separate thing. If somebody actually comes out with a new car, um, to, to be in the segment, but I think that there's more of a market there than people or even like manufacturers realize. And I think it's going to remain in the market space. The, the thing that I might be a little more concerned about is something that's like super inexpensive, like entry level. Um, but I think the driver's car experience is something that is going to find value in the marketplace here. As people are saying like, oh, it's the last one, it's the last one. Well, there's a scarcity. If there's a scarcity, there's going to be an increase in value there. Somebody is going to see that and say, hey, let's uh, let's cater to that market. I think I think you're right. I think you're right in that the market demand is there. And I think it's I think the demand is actually increasing right now, you know, because. 
I think not in small part due to how prolific DIY Mm -hmm. like car media is now and like the amount Mm -hmm. of media you Mm -hmm. consume about cars on YouTube and all over is massive, bigger than it ever had been on cable TV. So I think that's spreading car culture like it never had has before. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. you have this demand there and you can see it in the used market. The used market is insane. I mean, we could say, oh, it's it's COVID, but it COVID is over. And yeah, the prices are still as high as they were. It's so like there. the demand is there, but then you've got lawmakers passing laws and regulations about gasoline cars that mm-hmm. are not easily reversible. You know, it's it, mm-hmm. it's it's forcing the manufacturer's hand. I mean, you can see how Porsche has gone to all turbocharged motors, and the next mm-hmm. the next Boxster came and is all electric. Because they don't have a choice, mm-hmm. you know. They they yeah. would they would yeah. keep making them because they keep selling them and making now a ton that, of money. That is something that I might be overlooking that you could argue, right? Is the legislation of cars is forcing the hand um, to go electric, and we have yet to see a true uh, driver's centric electric car. That's yet to be proved. I think it'll that code should be cracked at some point, but we haven't seen it yet, right? So, I I inevitably I inherently have driver's car tied to gas powered car at the moment, and I think it's probably similar to to most people. Um, so that is something that I might be overlooking. The other thought there also would be, aside from like the laws. Um, and like the the way the government's pushing back on that, I think what's also happening about like the market that you're saying. I'm having conversations with with friends that aren't into cars at all, mm. and they are having the same conversations of like, this might be like the last chance of of having you know this kind of car. Yeah, you know the, the Kona N is something that we keep on talking about, but Sierra really wants to to own one. And I'm realizing this might be the last opportunity for us to have like a hot hatch. To, to you know, go buy Sears one never new, had a hot. Go buy a new one. Well, we w- it wouldn't be anything in like the next year. Or so we're getting well, married in the fall. Well, and that's stuff, what but, I'm saying. But the last chance to go buy yeah. a new one. You can, we can always go buy a used yes, one. Yes. You know. Yeah, but and it, I could see us like seriously buying like uh, a secondhand one in like a year yeah. or two. That's that's pretty much. I mean, new, that's how right? I felt buying like, thirty thousand miles. Was that I was like, you mm-hmm. know, it's there. Maybe I won't have a chance to go to a showroom and buy a new manual gasoline, you know, sports car, mm-hmm. you know, hot yeah. hatch, you know, in a decade, you know, like do it now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, aside from if the laws are preventing manufacturers from doing it, I'm wondering if anyone's sitting back and saying, hey, there is this swell of interest do we cater to that market? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I mean, you can see like Porsche doing that and that they've like doubled mm-hmm. down on it over the years. Like for instance, like Porsche's GT car, line of cars, they, it didn't mm-hmm. exist prior to the nine, nine, six. So that's the first water cooled nine eleven. prior to that GT three car, which came out in like Oh mm-hmm. five. They didn't have a GT line, right? They did not have a. They just yeah. had Porsche, and you could buy a Carrera S or a Carrera or a 911 Turbo. That was a fast car, but there wasn't like. They're all drivers' cars, but it wasn't like a really focused car. And then they came out with mm-hmm. the GT line, and they sold like gangbusters. They sold 
way more than they expected. And then they kept doing that generation over generation. They would sell every time they'd go to the marketing department and say, this is the car we're building. And they'd be like, man, we can't sell that thing. How are we going to sell us $200,000? (laughs) 9-11. And then they would sell more than they could make. Um, They'd crush it. And it's happened over and over and over and over again. And now we have cars like the GT4 RS and now the Mm -hmm. just announced Spider RS crazy cars really expensive and they're selling more than they can make so like mm-hmm. demand is there you know like they've we've seen the demand there they've seen the demand there other companies there. have i mean when company you know toyota's and, making jerry corolla they're selling more than they can make well, type r more yeah. than they can make like toyota's making some really cool stuff right now and like the gt86 uh the most driver centric of them ha- has made so many strides like n- everyone that i've seen review that car is floored by it. Like they, they solved all the problems of like the lack of power, the torque dip and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, people are on record saying best steering feel, uh, south of $60,000 in that yeah, car. Yeah, that makes me hopeful. Yeah. It totally and makes me hopeful. And you still have the Miata that looks like it'll still continue to be gas in the near future. Mazda's, you know, developed sky active, which is like a gas powered, way of it's you know, a, saving mpgs yeah, more sort of efficient thing. gas engine yeah more efficient gas engine yeah and they did not they don't have an electric drivetrain today so i think the near future is still is not as like dark and gloomy as everyone i think the near future is like stronger than ever i mean right yeah. now yeah. we're seeing some of the most incredible cars it's since whatever since like the muscle car era you know like there's so many cool cars coming out. i mean the demon 1320 right that's what's called got announced last month yeah i mean yeah incredible insane cars and the hypercar (laughs) market's incredible they're making there's so many amazing things to buy right now and i think the near Mm -hmm. future we're going to keep seeing that basically right up into the wall where the eu's like you can't sell another gas you know ice engine Mm -hmm. here at all and then manufacturers be like, damn, it doesn't make sense to keep doing this. And I mm. think some stuff will stick around because it'll be legal in America and America, mm-hmm. South America, Mexico, maybe maybe Canada for a while more. But mm-hmm. Africa, I guess, you know, but like one, mm-hmm. once the EU and once China are like, ah, you know, that's it. Australia too, fall, mm-hmm. you know, like I think we'll just it'll start yeah, to taper off. on the electric side. You know, it'll start to yeah. taper off, and we'll keep we'll keep seeing cars, but they'll just they'll be a wall where it's just like you, they can't. It doesn't make economical that's an interesting sense. Point. Yeah, that's an interesting point that I was kind of overlooking. So we we almost may have like kind of flipped each other a little <laughs> bit. I might have a little more doom and gloom now that <laughs> I wasn't really thinking about legislation and that sort of thing, but I should have been because that is ultimately. Uh, a lot of the deciding factor yeah. for you know manufacturers projecting over the next ten years because that's a, that's really like what's happening behind the scenes, right? right? You know, manufacturers are developing cars that aren't getting released next year; they're getting le- released five plus years from today. So they really need to you know start steering the direction of the future far sooner right. than um, you know than the rest of us really think about yeah, it, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I mean, I think you have the government, like, pushing them in that direction. I mean, whether they're doing it mm-hmm. the right way is to be yeah. seen, but the, obviously that's what I, they want. That's what that's yeah. what government regulation yeah. wants. They want electric cars, uh, yeah. and so they're... I wonder if that'll change at all in the coming years, because it does seem like somewhat 
some of the the situations are a little unrealistic in terms of like the time frame and how it does seem like the the wall seems to be like approaching kind of sooner than later but oh it's i think that'll play a bigger yeah. role it's it's scary it's scary years. i think it'll happen mm-hmm. slow much slower in america i mean like look at the mm-hmm. um the problem that texas had what was that was that two winters ago now where there were mm-hmm. you know yeah. Because they're, there's, you're right, their their electrical grid is isolated from any other state, and it went down, and people died yep. because they couldn't heat their homes. Um, yeah, is is pretty horrific. And and if you think, you know, there's nothing out of the ordinary happening there. Now we want to have, mm-hmm. we want to change every gasoline car to be electric. Mm-hmm. The, you know, yeah, that is an inc- a massive amount of more electricity we need to produce. And yeah, I think, I think we're going to get to a point where we hit, we hit that wall where we actually have electrical grid infrastructure issues because of electric cars. And that's when the public will push back against lawmakers and they will be like an easing out of these hard rules. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I think California Mm -hmm. has 2035 in the books for no more ice engines or something like that. And I think like maybe we'll get there and California will just have rolling outages year round and everyone will be like, screw this. And then we'll have like mm-hmm. a softening of regulations that'll kind of keep, yeah. keep ice production going for a while. Mm-hmm. Hey. All right. Well, yeah. What, uh, what do you all think? Are we, all, are we, <laughs> is it, should we all be doom and gloom here? I'm, I might be a little more, um, uh, sobered on this topic from from when we went into it, and maybe hopefully, Rob, you're a little you, you sleep well tonight. Hopefully, hopefully I'm you're already little, little, like making right. my picket sign <laughs> to like for for when the rolling outages start. You know, like bring oh gasoline gosh, yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Let us know down below what your thoughts are. Well, this brings us to our second segment, FMK. And Rob, it was my job to figure out the segment and present you with three cars to F, Mary, and Kill. Today's segment is I'm eagerly awaiting this. <laughs> is late '80s Japanese sports cars, mm. Japanese imports. Mm. It's going to be specifically 1988, mm. year I was born. I'm the narcissist that I am. I had to choose the year I was born. <laughs> 19, uh, 1988 help, only. 1988. All right. Yeah. These are all cars that could have absolutely been okay. in a Motor Trend. I didn't, I didn't find a Motor Trend article specifically comparing these three. This. But these are three JDM sports cars from 88. Now, I know a lot of people really like, you know, the 90s. That's like the, the 90s nostalgia for these cars. So these are a little earlier than that. These are a little co- more quirky. Um, but the first one... Of the three, now the segment's a little larger than this, but I had to chose three. So the first car in this segment is going to be from Honda, and it is going to be the CRX SI. Now, for those of you that might not know, this is a single overhead cam, 1.6. It did it did come in an SI with like a 6,000 RPM redline. Uh, it had like 105 horsepower. Believe it or not, yes, this was the sporty <laughs> version of the CRX. Single overhead cam, uh, huh? Yeah, and uh, this is going to be in white. Oh, okay? yeah. So the color's oh, yeah. going to be white. Of course, it's a manual. That's beautiful. You know, front wheel drive. I, I love the look of this car. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we got the, the 88 yeah. 
uh, CRX SI. Second car they are going to be choosing from is, again, the 1988 Toyota MR2. And it's not just the regular one. This is going to be the supercharged version with 145 horsepower and 140 foot-pounds of torque. Yeah. Uh, For those of you that don't know, this is Gen 1. This is the the super angly MR2 uh, mid-engine. Two-tone paint. Oh, yeah. And it's not just any color. This is a two-tone, like, white slash, like, cream and, like, a gray. If you're if you're listening to this on on uh, Spotify or something, go check out the YouTube. Uh, I'm going to put it up for, for those of you that are watching. Really interesting color, straight out of the 80s. Um, and this is a, a dual overhead cam engine, iron block. Like, dual overhead cam older, on this. Okay, and yeah, supercharged. Older, older technology though like these are low numbers by today's standard yeah yeah again again that's a small car that's a very small car it's a very small car uh curb weight of these was like 26 or so i think um but yeah yeah and like sports car of its time and now to round out the segment i could have got a couple different ways and i was i was chewing on this but I, i i landed on the mitsubishi starion Oh. And it's not just any Starion. For those of you that are in the know, there was a wide-body version of this car. This is the wide-body with uh, that's turboed with like 188 horsepower and 234 or so foot-pounds Ooh. of torque. So it's it's pretty quick this by is, comparison. That's the Starion that was on um, Top Gear, on yep. the Top Gear special. Yeah, yeah. Many moons ago. Yeah, and, and then for those of you that might not be as familiar with the car, uh, front engine, rear-wheel drive, pretty classic uh, scenario right. there. Yep. Um, and they did have a Chrysler version of this car in the States, but this is still pre-DSM. This was not considered part of that Mitsubishi Chrysler um, um, connection where they created the company uh, Eagle. Oh, so this, this is, this is pre-DSM. Pre- Pre DSM, yeah. So the engine, the engine is a Chrysler motor. Ooh, um, the engine is, a, uh, I believe it's pre four G sixty three. It's not a four G sixty three. Yeah, but it is a Mitsubishi four cylinder. Okay, turbo, all right, thank goodness. I'm, I'm trying to suss out the the reliability yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. I'll <laughs> confirm. I'll let you get started, and I'll confirm that right okay. now. I'm gonna look this up because I'm seeing on the Starion, it's it's a nice like. It's like a fastback kind of deal with a hatch, kind mm-hmm. of like the 944 was. So I'm seeing some good kind of usability there, kind of daily ability on the Starion and all that power. <laughs> huh. And then the CRX. And I mean, CRX is a shape I've always loved. I think out of any front-wheel drive car, mm-hmm. if someone forced me to take a front-wheel drive car and have a project car, it would be the CRX. Like the CRX is beautiful lines oh yeah really cool um super lightweight they're like 2200 pounds or something like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. super lightweight Um, oh real quick real quick the mishibishi uh starion yeah it is a uh the lg 54b so it's a 26 and it is from uh mishibishi two six that's pretty big okay Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. all right and we got the stand and the mr2 MR2 is also 
I mean, I love all the gens of the MR2, but the first gen is, is one that has always interested me just because it's it's so unique looking, and now it's it's yep. really come into its age where that styling mm-hmm. has come back around like everyone you know is clamoring for e30s and all these mm-hmm. boxes yep. and yep. the styling of the mr2 is so i think i have a friend who saw one who knows enough about cars to know they saw something special and they said i think i just saw a key car like i think i just saw like an autozam oh, interesting and we're was trying to figure it out with them and then finally we said i was like oh you saw an mr2 a first gen mr2 ah, but i mean yep. they're just that unique looking um yeah and they're mid-engine, which is like it was just nuts. It's an affordable yeah. mid-engine yeah. Japanese car that isn't an NSX. Like that's nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, this is gonna be a tough one. All right, it's gonna I be think, a tough one. I think I know where I want to go with this. I think I know. okay, okay, let's hear it. So, I am going to marry the Starion. Oh, the stereo! And, uh, I feel and like now, it's the dark horse, right? I'm, you know, I'm taking the stereo over the CRX because also, I mean, the MR2 is just no practicality, no practicality, <laughs> no luggage room. Yeah. It's a T-top. That- you can't even put like a roof rack on the thing. <laughs> it's got okay. nothing. Okay. So it was between mm-hmm. the art CRX and the stereo, and the stereo, good bit bigger. You have a lot of hatch room, probably a good bit yep. more trunk space than the CRX. Yep. But also just like having such a unique car with all that power every day, just mm-hmm. power slides everywhere. Like that's that sounds like a lot of fun. Cool. Um, and it's got the Mitsubishi motor, so I'm like, cool, that'll be reliable or reliable enough. You know, not mm-hmm. CRX reliable, but you know, yeah, it's not gonna break down every time I drive it. I don't know of the three. To be honest, I probably trust Mitsubishi the least <laughs> no, of these three no. engines. <laughs> Come on, poor G. <laughs> but 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 I don't I don't expect that to be an would, unreliable engine. I would trust but you're, the MR2. You're going the up least. against really? Yeah. Okay. Well, also because the MR2's mid engine, since we have bitch to work on, I would yeah yeah I'd say doing anything to that engine is going to be a struggle. Probably. Yeah. Um. Which leads me to the F, the 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 one time yeah, flame, the one off. What are you gonna do? It's like, gonna be the MR2. Absolutely, okay. I've always okay. wanted to drive one. I've never yeah. been able to drive an MR2. I really want to know yeah. what it's like. I want to feel Absolutely. the snap over steer. I want to wrap it around a tree at the end of the day. <laughs> like I I want to know what this like. <laughs> not ferrari mid-engine car is like because they yeah. they had kind of like a mixed wrap wrap in the in the handling department i feel i feel like the mr2s always have um had a mm-hmm. kind of a mixed rep there especially with like mm-hmm. the second gen ones i think had like a, a big snap over steer thing that everyone complains about um, i know that the second gen was like historic that's where i think that really came from yeah the second yeah gen. And I, I mean i can't imagine the first gen's any better because it's a way shorter wheelbase it's still no yeah. engine, and it's still the same architecture because I think they had McPherson rear rear suspension design, which was kind this of a, a limiting a factor. Year, yeah, this is also like a ten year older car. Yeah, right. Like this, it's is an like old car. You're mid, basically driving around like a uh, a Fiero. Oh yeah, it's like a Japanese Fiero <laughs> Damn, that doesn't catch fire cool. as often. <laughs> now that that would be a good segment for one for you. <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay, so the, the the MR2 gets it. I really would love to drive an MR2. So you're cr- oh, so you're gonna have to kill that CRX. Oh, it's a damn shame. Oh man, it's a damn shame. I feel Oof. like the CRX, as great as it will be, it'll just be like 
hmm. other things I've driven. It'll just it'll be kind of like that's what okay. I think also makes it great is that okay. it is a like a really like predictable like it gives you everything you'd hope it would give. Yeah. But I kind of want like a little spice, like a little something else like mm-hmm. it surprises me, you know. <laughs> and and I feel like that's what I'm that's definitely what you're going to get out of the MR2 and I think yeah. out of the Starion as well. It just gives okay. you that little little flavor every time you start okay. it up in the morning. Okay. Okay. I I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Um I know the CRX was I think in many ways what really kicked off Honda's like performance car association with like the ability to actually do something like that in SCCA that I've heard like a lot of stories about that car being so oh, light, that it was SCCA it, like, like, okay. Like grassroots yeah. racing. That's where like, people yeah, are, like, the CRX oh, became like a, like a, yeah, yeah. That was like the first car from Honda that really started like exploring performance driving in the States. Um, so that's pretty cool. So, so we got your cars. So I, I guess it's my turn at this point. I have to, <laughs> um, what would I do here? So I've got a couple stories about a couple of these different cars. The CRX, aside from, uh, yeah, performing really well in SCCA and getting those things kind of kickstarted for Hondas in the States. Uh, there was a CRX that, li- uh, uh, an owner of a CRX that lived up the street from me when I was a kid and it was white. And I just remember that guy going by i didn't even really know what it was at the time but he would drive by and i was always just like staring <laughs> at this dude's car and i'm like what is that that's a hatchback bit before i really knew much of anything about cars so there's a soft spot of like that shape and honestly i think that if i were to buy if, if you told me i had to go build a honda today it'd be that car i would mm. start with the crx mm. i think that's just such a cool car you don't see him that much anymore uh, I think they were kind of like many Hondas. They were used and thrown away <laughs> and didn't really like last that long. But I would love to throw maybe not even a K, maybe like a B series engine in that. Oh, thing. get have, like, an a old screamer. school. Yeah. Like the what they you would have done in like, you know, late nineties <laughs> for that. Just throw them like a no, Integra B series. I'm gonna take a car from eighty eight. I'm gonna modify <laughs> it like I would have in ninety eight in two thousand twenty three. With a current ECU in it, yeah. <laughs> um, I could totally... Because, yeah, that's just all retro feels. So, cool yeah, car there. Yeah. Then, like, the first... Um, the first time I ever went to Watkins Glen, I was, what, like, 12, 13 years old, and I got to right seat in our neighbor's MR2 race car. It was black. <laughs> it had a big, giant pink monster on it. So, of course, that wedge has a special place in my that's heart. That's pretty cool. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, so I got to do like a couple hot laps. As a kid, the thing was super loud. I couldn't even see out of it. Like I was so like small, <laughs> like I couldn't barely see over the dash. I don't even think I could see over the dash. It was I was like so low in the yeah. car. Um, but yeah, that was like the first race car I'd ever been in. So there's that. Um, and yeah, the Starion means absolutely nothing. No, just kidding. Uh, the Starion is really cool. It's like this really cool quirky car that not a lot of people know about that is around and. I think could you, you could do everything with it, right? You could show up to a Cars and Coffee and, like, yeah, I, I'd want to check that car out. I've only seen, like, a handful in person. Um, <laughs> so for me, I'm 100%. I'll start here. I'm 100% on board 
with just one wild ride in that in that MR2. I'm going to pick up <laughs> Sounds where like you I already left had off. that wild ride, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to pick right up where I left off as a kid. Instead of in the right seat, I'm going to be in the left seat. And I'm just going to go absolutely insane with that car. Probably kill myself. Um, experience that snap over steer if it's, it's, if it's in there. And yeah, just like I haven't driven enough, you know, mid-engine cars. I want more of that experience. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right on with like owning that car long term. You'd probably have those potential issues. And again, probably these cars are all like so old that if I was to own them long term, I'd I'd want nothing to do with the original drivetrain of any of these cars. I'll make the argument that none of them are going to be okay. like fun or reliable. The CRX SI <laughs> would probably still be a reliable car today. Yeah, yeah. You did make regular yeah. maintenance on that thing. That thing would still be. Running. Oh, it, it was, yeah. It well, it would still propel the car forward. Yeah. just not. There'd be like a hole in the floor pan, <laughs> but oh yeah. I mean, it'll be it just, it'll be slow as hell. Dog, dog slow. Yeah, dog slow. Um, absolute dog. But um. Okay, now I have to make a choice between these two. What am I going to want to own? <sighs> Man, I'm doing like the, the thousand yard stare here. Um, I think if I were to actually own this car long term, I think it would be the CRX. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of the same reasons of why you'd own the hatch. But maybe this is just Dylan's nostalgia segment. Um, yeah, I really, I really do like the lines of that car. I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw a CRX, to be honest. Um, and I could see owning that that car for like as if like a forever car. I know it's, it's a special drive. car. It's a special car these days. I, yeah, I know it's a it's a front wheel drive car. I'm sure the Starion would be fun in and of itself. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. That that's that thing's gonna blow up. Uh, that engine's you got to throw like a 4G63 in that, and then you got to mate it with a transmission. Mitsubishi never made a good transmission. Like good luck with that. Have fun, Rob. Um, I'm Man. gonna put a B. I'm gonna put my you know 90s engine in my 80s car. Oh my gosh, just... the D swap in the CRX. <laughs> You know it. You know it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry. On. Maybe maybe this is all because I was so... Uh, I'm, st- I'm still carrying around so much trauma from the DSMs that I've owned in my life that I, I couldn't be caught dead with that Starion. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, you do have a long history with DSMs. It's all yeah. nostalgia for you. Yeah. I, I know I mentioned that, you know, that Miata is what I cut my teeth on, but really in all, all seriousness, it was rusty DSMs that I really started wrenching on. So it explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what do you think? Uh, comment down below. What would you choose? Uh, is the car that you want forever actually the wedge do you want that mr2 you know i wouldn't blame you if you wanted that car right if you wanted to own that car it'd maybe be I, okay maybe I, you'd be in for okay. a life of pain but it'd be okay <laughs> yeah. the, working on that car does not sound fun it doesn't like and and, and i would want to engine swap that too and that i mean do you know God. how many vacuum lines there probably are in that thing <laughs> the 80s was oh like God, vacuum yeah. i mean the stereo's gonna be even worse but the 80s was just like vacuum <laughs> line hell there's gonna yeah, be vacuum lines to run. There's probably vacuum lines running. You know what? Like the HVAC uh, fan. Oh my god! Like, this is still. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm still so on brand with this segment. Again, choosing the reliable, <laughs> low maintenance. You know, yeah, situation. <laughs> we both really stay on brand. I mean, people are just gonna be calling it like 
as soon as you say as, them from yeah. now on, they're going to yep. know exactly what we're oh picking. Oh, my God. Yep, absolutely. No surprises from us. <laughs> Let us know down below what you, uh, what you would pick. Yeah, what are your picks, guys? So for our last segment where we spill the tea on uh, the early Apex, um, in the news that caught my eye this past week was Leah Block. Um, for those of you, I'm sure pretty much everybody in the automotive community knows, you know, Ken Block recently passed away. We don't really want to touch the subject uh, until, you know, more information from Hoonigan and, and, you know, there was some time had passed and we felt like it would be more appropriate to talk about. Um, but you and I, Rob, we had a, a conversation early on and my hope was at the time, you know, obviously we want everyone to be okay and, and do what they want to do to make them happy. But I was really hopeful for Leah Block, Ken Block's daughter, to kind of take the mantle. And I feel like this transition was already happening. Maybe not necessarily a transition, but I feel like Leah was already becoming part of the family business, right? Where, uh, you know, Ken was a part of Hoonigan, uh, and you had Leah, like, guest driving the Hoonicorn on Hoonigan yeah. in those, like, heads-up races. She's also seriously interested in, like, racing. She's done, I think, this is her third season or fourth season of, of Rally uh, here in the States doing um, the the U.S. Rally Circuit, um, as well as doing, like, a build series with her father, with Ken, on uh, one of the Audis that she, you know, worked on, and they did a whole uh, video series on Hoonigan. So my hope was, yeah, that she could, you know, kind of take the mantle from her father in it. And in this news article that just got released, you, you see that happening. And I'm very hopeful for the future of the brand and, and Leah, where uh, BBI, well, Ken, before his passing, uh, partnered with BBI. He built, or they built uh, the Huna Pegasus, like this all-wheel drive, 1,000-horsepower Porsche to race up Pikes Peak. And they actually went to last year's Pikes Peak, but there was really bad weather. They ended up not being able to race the car. Yeah. I think, they I had think there was a problem with, with the it, car, yeah. Yeah, there was their own issues with it. But the goal was for, yeah, Ken to, to go and, and race and, and do that sort of thing. Now, Leah is going to take the car up Pikes Peak, but it's going to not be in like an official race. It's going to be more of like, I don't want to call it like a parade lap, um, I forgot the exact term that they used in the article, um, but she's essentially going to take the car and drive it up, um, up Pikes Peak, which I think is really cool. Um, I'm sure that that car is like a crazy handful and she probably needs some more years of, of experience to, to be able to race it at its full potential. But I'm just really happy to see the car going up Pikes Peak, it being driven by Leah. And I think anyone, I'm not a father myself, but I think anyone can see the enjoyment that a that a father would have with a child sharing a passion and we we got to see that kind of play out and then her continuing on uh without her father but in kind of her father's footsteps um within the car community and, and racing and this sort of thing so I, i'm really hopeful i'm like i'm really hopeful i now like follow her on social media and I'm really curious to see what what happens. So that's my my main takeaway initially. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't thoughts? I couldn't agree more. Um, it's it's 
we've seen her kind of in the background. Yeah. Um, obviously, like following in her father's footsteps and, and racing, and she's doing like rally racing and everything. Um, so I think, you know, I think everyone just assumed that she would keep doing that. But then with the untimely passing of her dad, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the, the ball is now squarely in her court. Um, definitely a bit prematurely, but, you know, um, it looks like she's stepping, stepping up to the plate, so to speak. And I think you put it interestingly saying the family business. Because in a lot of ways, I think that's what it is. You know, we look at athletes and say like, oh, do their kids have the same talent, you know, the same drive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just like Mick Schumacher to Michael Schumacher or any other pro sports athlete. Um, But in a lot of ways, it it isn't just like, oh, are they a talented athlete? It's do they want to join the family business? And especially for, you know, Ken Block and... um, Mm -hmm. Hoonigan and all the brands that he's worked with, like it, it's a it's a total complete business with many assets, yeah. and she has to like hop into navigate. this and yeah. and navigate that. You know, like yeah. Ken had a lot of like sponsorship deals with different yeah. companies, and and is Leah going to like want to get into and being in e- that business? Yeah, and even like um um going on the the rallies was a family event like uh the the mom is also a competitor she also has her own car and races Mm. in that same circuit so it's like you had all three of them racing together like that is so cool what a great (laughs) like and 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 clearly like leah's interested it's not like ken just like pushing her into this i think there's also have like a a younger son um as well i i don't know where where they're at they might not be interested in cars as much um or or they might also just be like a little too young at at the moment but just so cool you had like these this whole family like rally racing and doing this whole circuit in these different classes and stuff like that ah, i just yeah and they're going to continue on and and continue competing that sort of thing so yeah yeah you had the business aspect but you also had like yeah this racing as a family it's just it's it's a cool story I think I'm always about the story, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is an awesome story. It's, 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 um, you know, as sad as it is, it's, it's, it's like mm-hmm. heartwarming this year following your father's footsteps. And like you said, I think, you know, any dad would be proud to have their daughter doing that and, 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 you know, making them proud really. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, taking, uh, the Pegasus, that's what it's called. The Huna Pegasus. The Huna Pegasus, you know, up Pikes Peak, just like he was going to, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, where you know, wherever he is or isn't, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. if you could see that he'd be he'd he'd be pretty proud to see that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean obviously this leads into I I think this is gonna happen either way, but you know, seeing young women as a role model in this segment, you don't see that very often. Yeah. You know, Leah is going to be able to step into that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a terrible situation what happened, obviously. Um, you know, it's just a tragedy. Um, but I, I can see a lot of great things in the future yet for that family and for the brand and, I'm just really curious to see what's next. You know, is she going to end up in a Gymkhana? What's going to happen with Gymkhana? That's kind of almost a separate brand at this point. But, um, you know, we had Travis Pastrana. We're going to get some other, 
you know, people in there. They've had, you know, tribute liveries uh, in a lot of the, the different races. Travis has had one. Um, Lee is currently running, you know, basically what like the old DC um, liveries that Ken had when he first started racing in uh, rally. So it'll just be interesting to see what unfolds, but I'm really happy with what's happened so far. Obviously they need their time and, and that sort of thing, but I'm, yeah, I think they're making the best of a terrible situation at the moment. And I'm just curious to see what can, what can do. Yeah, to, to yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I think with her, we're also seeing part of like a new generation of, mm-hmm. of drivers, just like, you know, um, Mick Schumacher, um, like mm-hmm. I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And then mm-hmm. also, um, I believe like Colin McRae's son is, is entering the world of, of rally racing right now. If oh. I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you also yeah. have it's, Carlos Seitz. I think um, it's actually related to Colin McRae, Alistair McRae, his mm. son, who's who's joining mm-hmm. it and getting into it. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say somebody else who's like, um, uh, uh, like the next generation of racers, Carlos Seitz, uh, F1 driver. Um, his father was a, a, a race car driver as well. So just yeah, like another. Yeah, I think we had in in the in the last. Through through the eighties, nineties, and two thousands, there were a lot of like really famous drivers that came up mm-hmm. through that era where racing was really popular, televised, and so there's a lot of of legends mm-hmm. whose kids are now racing and and mm-hmm. like kind of starting to build a name for themselves. So it's exciting to see this next generation. Um, mm-hmm. And I, of course, we've seen those stories in NASCAR as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so just something that I wanted to share news wise because i thought it was relevant there's obviously like no like heartwarming one yeah yeah a little more like serious or whatnot um yeah i would recommend anyone who doesn't already just be keyed in i i with what happens next on that family i i think yeah there's a lot more to yet to come that i'm i'm sure is gonna be really interesting absolutely cool well that i think We'll wrap it up. A little on a somber note, yes, but um, but hey, I'm excited to see what happens next. And yeah, thanks for listening. It's another episode of <laughs> the tea done and dusted. Rob, you having fun? I'm having fun. I'm having a, a shit ton of fun. Yeah, that's yeah. what I like to hear. Yeah, right yeah. on. No, it, it's <laughs> uh, we're having fun. We hope you guys are enjoying listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for caring. Think I mean I'm amazed every time I see someone text me that they that they listen I'm like wait you you bothered to listen to me me and my buddy talk for an hour about cars it's kind of ridiculous but it's pretty awesome thank you yeah thanks everybody for the support so far and uh, we're just getting started we're just getting started just getting started (laughs) all All right right. catch you guys later till next time guys. (laughs) 